don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. It is very exciting to be here again with you this week. I have been designing like crazy. Can you tell? Is there like a shake in my voice? I have literally taken... Um, 10 clients already this month, and I'm inspired, I'm invigorated. As some of you may know, I took a little hiatus from taking clients while I grew the business, while I hired other designers, but this is our busy season, and there is no time for a hiatus. It is time to plug in, take over. In fact, right after this, I have a design presentation for a couple living in Midtown, and I must say it's pretty fabulous. They love the Milky Way and China, and I have come up with an amazing fusion design that's also super modern and perfect for people who work from home because they work from home. So I'm very excited to present that. Tomorrow I have a client who is a mother of one of my former clients in New Jersey, and she's moving to Midtown Manhattan, and she's got a beautiful, huge new apartment, and I'm so excited to hear what she wants to do with it and how she wants to transform her new life now that she's moving to the big city. So it's never a dull moment here at Affordable Interior Design. I was just on a business call. I belong to this business group called Saver, and I was just on a call with one of my mastermind peers. And we were talking about what makes design different in New York City than, say, design in her area, which is New Orleans. And the thing that I think is really unusual about designing in New York City, there's a few things. The first thing is that the stakes are very high. People are living in tight quarters, very close together. They are spending a lot of money to live here. And so everybody is doing something interesting. I have yet to meet a boring New Yorker, and I have really looked. Uh, everybody is in this pressure cooker of not only a city, but their small apartment, their small home, and they are busting at the seams, trying to be frugal, making millions, like just all the different scenarios you can imagine. I have seen it in 17 years of being a New Yorker myself. So that is another interesting point. But the most interesting point about owning affordable interior design is that nobody calls me because they want new pillows. Because my partner that I was on the call with, she's like, Betsy, all I want are new pillows. And I was like, well, you have come to the wrong place. We do design triage. People call me because they have an emergency. Just last week, I got these two calls back to back, and I thought that they really exemplified what I'm talking about. The first call was a lady who is getting a 75-gallon fish tank. She was getting it delivered within 24 hours, and it had to be put in the place where it would be forever because you don't move 75 gallons worth of water. And additionally, she was going to have a miniature shark, and if she moved it again, it would die. Like, what? So can I come to her place within 24 hours to tell her exactly where to put this fish tank, and how soon can I be there? The second call right after that was from a lady who was living in New Jersey, Jersey City, I think, and the apartment above hers flooded. So she was very happy with her apartment before. She had outfitted it all in 
fairly expensive furniture from room and board, crate and barrel, things she really loved. She worked very hard to design it all on her own, and she was super happy with it. Then there was a massive flood from the construction upstairs, and everything that she owned was ruined and destroyed. And now she just doesn't even have the heart to do it again. And certainly she could go back to that list and reorder everything she'd purchased before, but she was so devastated by the loss of those selections that she just doesn't want to lift a finger and she doesn't want it to look the same because it will remind her of how happy she was before. I mean, these are the scenarios I'm working with. A week before that, a lady called me because um, while she was away at work, unbeknownst to her, her boyfriend moved all of her stuff out of their apartment. He put it in the hall and he changed the locks. She didn't know that the relationship was in dire straits. She certainly didn't know she'd be needing a new place to live within 24 hours. And all of a sudden, she's in crisis mode. And how soon can we help her when she gets her new place? Because she just is at her wit's end. These are the kind of calls you get in New York City. Never a dull moment. And I love it when I get questions from you guys additionally. So this week, now that I have told you a few stories, I'm going to start in on answering issues from you, design triage from you guys who have emailed me over the course of this week to ask me some burning questions. And certainly keep sending those in either on our Facebook page or via email at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com because this is truly why I do what I do to help people who are trying to solve these design dilemmas on their own. So my first question comes from Kyle in England. Oh, and I guess this isn't so much as a question as a clarification because he was listening to my podcast and he wrote, Hi, Betsy. I love your podcast. Thanks for all your hard work. I was listening to this week's podcast collision, by the way, and thanks for the tip on another new podcast. I guess I mentioned another podcast. I wonder what it was. Oh, yes. It was... um. Oh, the Build Your House podcast that I was a guest on. Anyway, so you discussed with Michelle Nelson, who was the host of that podcast, how furniture can't be investment pieces anymore. I am a great believer in there being investment pieces, and I thought it was important to tell everyone about this potential caveat. Much like you, I love mid-century modern, and I love vintage pieces. While it's impossible to furnish a house from Craigslist with resources like First Dibs and V Interior, I feel people shouldn't be put off from buying actual investment pieces. They're often built to last and look amazing too. P.S. I don't think my home will be to everyone's taste. He included some photos. But I can tell you I've done it on the very slow Craigslist equivalent gum tree. So I guess that's what they have in Britain. And I can say without a doubt, I would make a profit on my furniture when I come to get bored of it and I get to learn about every designer and manufacturer along the way. I didn't write you to get free design advice, but allow me to say that my place is still a work in progress. Regards from Surrey, UK, Kyle. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for writing in. And let's be clear about what a legacy piece actually is. A legacy piece means that you're buying it with the intention that it will stay in your family for years to come, decades to come, that you will pass it down to your children and that they will also want that piece. And that is where the errors lie. Your kids don't want your mid-century modern pieces, Kyle. I don't know if you have children, but you can't be buying with anybody else's use or pleasure in mind but your very own. Because these days, amazing pieces can be found at lots of places. It's not exclusive as it was before. These days, pieces are not meant to last like they were back then. These days, you can get those affordable price points, but 
this piece is not going to look great for 50 years. Additionally, your kids will be able to find similar items that better meet their needs and better match their styles at decent price points. So the landscape has changed. So when I say legacy piece, I mean something that you would hope to buy, spend a very good deal of money on with the anticipation that your kids would want it, which they won't. Now, Kyle, I am totally open to you spending a lot of money on something that you would like to have forever. You know that I love vintage pieces. I have actually splurged the most expensive piece besides my couch and my mattress. In my home is a vintage console that I got from Cherish, and I spent $1,800 on that piece, and nobody not even my cleaning lady is allowed to touch it. I'm like, please, just just don't touch it. It's okay if it gets dusty. I'll handle it. But it's made of really porous teak, and it was imported from Paris, and just nobody can mess it up but me. So I'm the only person that gets to open and shut the doors. I'm the only person that gets to touch or breathe on it. Uh, and so I know the value, just intrinsically to me, of splurging on a piece that is authentic. And a lot of them truly are built to last, but you just can't buy it with the anticipation that somebody else is going to want it. So Kyle, I think we're saying the exact same thing. And of course, I always love it that you shared your pictures with me because I do have some thoughts. You've got a high concentration of art in a tiny corner and the other walls are bare. So just one of my initial impressions is that you need to spread that lovely art around. And of course, I do love your vintage pieces. So hopefully that helped to clarify, Kyle, because we're actually arguing the exact same point. And mine just diverges a tiny bit. So before we continue to our next segment, let's cut for a commercial break. Then I have even more questions. Is there one room in your home that could use a makeover? One room that you just don't feel good about? Well, for $3.95, you can work with one of Affordable Interior Design's amazing designers to completely transform that space in two hours. It's our virtual transformation package for $395. Work with our design pro, Kelsey Surak. She's been with Affordable Interior Design for five years. And in the two-hour experience, you will not only create the perfect layout for that room, you'll also online shop with our designer for six to eight items that fit your style and your budget perfectly. Reach out at affordableinteriordesign.com today. Let us know that you heard about this special package on our podcast. Use promo code podcast to get 15% off our virtual transformation package. Once again, you can reach out to us at affordableinteriordesign.com or contact us at info at affordableinteriordesign.com to set up your virtual transformation today. So let me move on to my next question, which came from Amanda. Amanda wrote me this week, Betsy, I am so excited that my new place has exposed brick, but it has a lot of red in it, and I'm not sure how to go about choosing paint colors. Any advice? I am going to argue with you, Melissa. If your brick color is not painted cherry red, is not painted deep burgundy, then it's more of just that natural brick color, which I'm going to assume is what you're referring to. And that natural brick reddish brown is not a color. I consider that a neutral. So you don't have to let that color inform your other choices. It's just a neutral. Um, you can think of it as a blank canvas on which you can overlay any paint color you choose. 
I'm really open. Uh, I'm not always a fan of exposed brick, even though I can tell you're very excited about it, Amanda. Certainly don't let me rain on your parade, but a couple of things that I always notice with exposed brick that I wanna warn people about is that it can shed. So if it is truly old brick, it will crumble bit by bit. That mortar will break apart and you will start to see some extra dust below the brick wall. So that is a trap, which does not always make brick as appealing as it may seem when you're actually living with it. Um, so yeah, it's really that porous thing that's my biggest issue. And unfortunately, most of the sealants that you could get to keep that red color but prevent that dust from accumulating tend to be quite shiny, which I think makes the brick look wet and problematic. I am a fan, if the brick is not in good condition, of painting that brick a true color. You could paint it the same color as the other walls, or you could paint it white, but just make sure that you do so in a semi-gloss finish so that if you're actually using that fireplace, you can wipe off the soot that may appear on the facade. But you sound really pumped about your authentic brick wall. I'm really pumped about your authentic brick wall. And the key for me is that if you're going to hang some things on it, for instance, if you wanted to hang a picture, if you wanted to hang a sculpture or even a clock, it would be something that would contrast, that would pop off the brick rather than being something mid-tone and dark that would kind of fade into the background. So I would also suggest that any furniture pieces that you put in front of the brick would contrast. So either be much darker than the brick or much lighter than the brick in whatever color you choose. So there's a few tips for working with brick, Amanda. I hope that helped and I am excited for you and your new place. Let's get to my next question, which came from Jesse. Jesse wrote me, my rent was so out of control, I had to move and now my apartment is even smaller. Do you have any tips for downsizing? Well, certainly we could start talking about Marie Kondo, right? So as you're packing up, you could hold up each item and say, does this spark joy? I think there is a lot of validity to that. Another thing that you could do is, you know, if you haven't touched the item in six months, if you haven't worn it in six months, then it's time to get rid of it. I myself downsized from a very large one bedroom apartment to a studio that was under 250 square feet. And there were things that I couldn't let go of because they had value. Like, okay, here we go. I had a huge acrylic and oil paint collection. And of course I had an easel to go with that and I had canvases. Now I'm moving from a huge one bedroom in which just a little TMI, I use the bedroom as an artist studio for painting and I actually slept in the living room on a futon. So I essentially was living like a studio apartment but I had a big amount of space for all my artistic endeavors. When I moved to the 250 square foot studio, I had no room for artistic endeavors and yet I kept all of that stuff because certainly it had value, it cost me a lot of money, but I found that I didn't paint at all. I kept that stuff in my closet for four years and the next time I pulled it out to look at it, and of course this closet space was super important real estate that I was using for a big box marked paints, and when I pulled those paints out to use them again, they were clumpy, dried, 
gross. It was hard to even open the tubes and I wound up throwing them all out and I had wasted that real estate for four years because I could no longer live in my new small space the way I had lived in my old space. So think about that. Are there functions that you're doing in your current space that you just won't be able to do now? Like maybe you just won't be able to eat at a dining table. So maybe you need to let that go and let your current basic coffee table go and get one that has a lift top instead. Maybe you need to think about, of course, reducing your clothing, uh, reducing books. That's a big one. Um, I used to play a little game with my clients, my little my hoarder clients. Uh, I have a little bit of a hoarder in me, so I have a lot of let's get rid of stuff games. But one of them was pick up three items, just any three items in any area where you are, whether it's a junk drawer or a bookcase, pick up three items and choose one to give away or throw away. So that's a fun game. Uh, It gets more fun if you play it while drinking wine with a friend, just FYI. Um, And we are out of time for today, guys. You sent in such amazing questions, and I still have a couple more that I can't wait to tackle next week. So join me again and keep those delicious design dilemmas coming. You can send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. You can hear more of my answers again on other podcast episodes. And of course, come join our Facebook page, Affordable Interior Design, and leave all your questions there. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.